Thank you uh, for that very kind introduction, Tim, and, and thanks everyone for joining us this morning. And I want to uh, say particularly thank you to our hosts at Morgan's. Uh, as Tim said, I've been with Solpats now for, uh, this is my 20th year, and uh, for that entire two-decade period, uh, we've had a very strong and close relationship with uh, the Morgan's team, and uh, we've certainly appreciated their support over the years. Um, and as Tim mentioned, this is a, the, the celebration of our 120th year as a publicly listed company. Uh, that makes us the second oldest continuously listed company on the ASX. Uh, and obviously a lot of people appreciate that uh, the, the, the foundations of the business were in pharmacy, but uh, as of a couple of years ago, we actually sold out of our uh, last remaining interest in Australian pharmacies. And, and today we are 100% uh, Australian diversified portfolio of, 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 uh, of various different asset classes. Current market cap's about 11.5 billion. Uh, we're an ASX 100 business uh, with over 60,000 retail shareholders, which we're very proud of. Uh, so while the company has evolved over the years, uh, one of the things that has remained the same is our uh, purpose, and that is to build enduring value for our shareholders. So we've created a, a unique investment product in the Australian market, one where uh, investors can, can get access to a diversified portfolio of different investments but also different asset classes that perform throughout the cycle and, and have delivered above market returns for decades. Our objectives are, uh, there's three. Uh, the first one is to obviously grow the portfolio and increase the capital value of the, of the underlying portfolio over time, uh, to increase the cash generation from the portfolio and that's what enables us to pay dividends year on year. And thirdly, uh, to manage investment risk, because it's one thing to deliver um, higher returns, but it's another, another thing to do that whilst also managing uh, the, the risk and, and protecting the downside from any kind of capital loss. How do we do that? Our, our approach is uh, that we are disciplined investors and we challenge ourselves every day to make intelligent decisions. Uh, and, and obviously everybody wants to do that, but it is quite difficult to do sometimes, especially when it's contrarian in nature and you're, you, are, you are swimming against the, uh, the herd, or I should say running against the herd. Um, we also have a, uh, an unconstrained mandate and we're blessed with the ability to be able to invest in anything at any time uh, that we think uh, makes sense uh, and our flexibility is really key to, uh, to our performance. We are truly diversified uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about about this in, in future slides, but uh, what we talk about when we think about diversification is not merely owning lots of the same thing. It, it is genuinely owning things that are different, that perform differently to each other, uh, and that not only reduces risk over time, but also improves uh, performance. We are long-term in our focus, and that's really important because a lot of decisions are influenced by short-term events. Uh, we invest to grow and build businesses over time, uh, and we identify long-term thematics that we, that we like to back uh, because you know, our belief is that even average businesses can perform quite well if the, uh, if the industry tailwinds are supportive. Uh, and again, you know, you know, that long-term focus is, is about looking through the short-term noise. But long-term doesn't simply mean that we buy and hold for the long-term. I mean, there's certainly lots of investments inside our portfolio that have been there a long time uh, and, and it's important to be able to you ride those good investments and not not uh, not sell out too early, um, but you know our, our portfolio is is far from set and forget. Um, you know we're extremely active. 
Uh, we did about $3 billion of transaction activity across the portfolio in the last 12 months. Uh, and we're always looking for the next, next great opportunity. And lastly, we, we aim to be trusted partners and we seek to differentiate ourselves on the basis that people want to do business with us. People identify us as the kind of capital that they want to partner with uh, and, 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 uh, and look to us to be long-term supportive uh, partners with them on their, their, their journey of growth. Uh, so for, the, you know, for those reasons, our reputation is extremely valuable to us and it's one that we've built up over a long time and, and something we hope to continue. Uh, so I mentioned the, you know, the cash generation from the portfolio is very important. Um, we're proud to say that we've never missed paying a dividend since listing in 1903. And if you look at this chart here since uh, the, the beginning of this century, uh, we are the only company in the All Ordinaries Index. There's about 500 companies in the All Ords uh, and we're the only ones to have increased the ordinary dividend every year. Uh, the, the compound average or annual growth rate across that 20 year period or nearly 23-year period now is uh, is eight and a half percent. But what's uh, particularly uh, pleasing is that if you look at the final dividend that we paid last year, uh, that was up over 19 percent, uh, which was quite a, a a big increase from what we've seen in recent years. And the interim dividend uh, this year was up 24 percent. So what that's telling you is that uh, the the board feels very comfortable about the outlook for our cash generation across the portfolio. Uh, and that, that has uh, enabled us to, to step up the dividends in, in that way. Uh, because obviously that's a, a track record of increasing dividends that we'd very much like to, um, uh, to continue. So if I then look at the uh, total shareholder return uh, that we've generated, we tend to focus on the longer term. Uh, there's certainly been some good uh, uh, TSRs in the, the, last, uh, the, the last little while. I mean, certainly the last one year has been strong and five years has been strong, but I've highlighted the 20-year box there um, because that's where we tend to focus. So over the last 20 years, the outperformance that um, Sol Pattinson has generated for our shareholders has been 3.7% per year. Now, 3.7% might not sound like a lot, but when you compound that out, uh, the market has done um, uh, about 4.8 times if you invested in, in the market uh, for over that 20-year period. Uh, but if you'd invested in Sol's, you've, you've done over 10 times your money. And what's particularly pleasing about that outperformance is it was during a period certainly recently where, where growth has, has been uh, yeah, performing quite strongly in the market. Uh, and what we've graphed here on the left is, is the, uh, the value index or the growth index over the value index uh, on, on the ASX. And you can see that in the, um, in the first uh, three years from 2012 to 2015, yeah, we had value performing quite quite strong uh, and at its peak I think the uh, the value index was about 40% higher than the growth index. Uh, but then between 2015 and 2020 that position reversed and growth took a 60% lead over value. And so at its peak the average PE ratio of the growth portfolio was around 17 times more than the value index. Uh, and that compares to an average differential of just 3.6 times across that, uh, across that whole period. And so if I look at it right now, the, the growth index uh, has a PE differential that remains about eight times more than the value index. Um, and as you, as you can see on the, the graph on the right, uh, you know, real interest rates 
have continued to fall uh, since 2012 uh, and they're you know, quite negative at the moment, which is quite accommodative in terms of um, business activity. We think that that will eventually come to an end, uh, you know, either through inflation dropping or, or interest rates continuing to rise. Uh, and and uh, yeah, we think that the period for value investors will, will come again. Um, and so, you know, as I said, even though we've performed quite well through a period where, where the market has rewarded high growth uh, companies, yeah, we've tended to stick to our knitting, which is around a defensive portfolio of uh, traditional industries that are asset backed, cash generative and perform in all parts of the cycle. And we continue to be defensively focused in our, uh, in our approach. Um, you know, if I look at this, uh, this is a bit of a complicated slide here, but, but you know, the summary is that uh, over the last 20, uh, sorry, over, uh, this is uh, data for the US, and over the last 10 uh, recessions, uh, the average decline of EPS across the market has been, uh, well, if I exclude the GFC and the, uh, the tech bubble bust, uh, the, the, uh, the other eight recessions have, have seen EPS across the market drop by nearly 19%. So, you know, I guess we, we're not necessarily saying that's what's going to happen in Australia, but, um, uh, you know, I think our market conditions are more supportive uh, given that we have a, a strong bias towards resource stocks and, 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 uh, and large bank uh, stocks. So I'm not saying that the market will, will drop 19% in terms of EPS, but but the market does go negative and it's something that you know, we particularly uh, think about when we position our portfolio. And despite the fact that you know, the Australian market hasn't had a recession for a very long time, or at least not a real recession since uh, the very early 90s, uh, the market does go down. So if I, I look at this, uh, this graph on the left, there's a histogram of, of monthly performance of the ASX. And so over the last 20 years, it's been of the 240 months, 82 months have been negative. And, um, and the, the average market performance of those negative months has been minus 3.5%. Uh, uh, but, but our portfolio tends to do a lot better in those months. And so the average performance of Sol Pattinson in those negative months has, has been almost 2.1% uh, better per month than the market. And you can see that there's even been 15 months there where the market has fallen by more than 6% in a single month. So I talked about uh, diversification and, um, and there's, a, there's a few sort of angles to the way that we think about diversification. As I said, it, it is not about having lots of stocks that are the same and perform the same. Um, you know, we, we think that a, a few uncorrelated assets is enough to, uh, that are uncorrelated and, and perform differently, is enough to genuinely reduce your risk uh, and increase your performance. And in fact, by adding lots of different investments into your portfolio, you're just diluting your best your best ideas. And um, and so we think that you should have concentrated bets in 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 things that you honestly believe in, uh, and then match that out with other other uncor uncorrelated assets that um, uh, that protect your downside. So if we look at this this slide here, where we've got a hypothetical portfolio one where we started with $500 million of assets across five different assets, asset one, um, uh, two, three, four, five, are each doing 10% per annum. So the weight average annual return for that portfolio is 10%. Portfolio two, also starting with $500 million portfolio. But in this case, 
that one performs 0% per annum, asset two is 7.5%, asset three 10%, asset four 12.5%, asset five 20%. Again, the weighted um, annual return is 10%. So instinctively you think that this portfolio is, these portfolios are going to perform fairly consistently. But what we see over time is that portfolio two you know, significantly outperforms portfolio one. And in fact, over 20 years, portfolio two uh, is worth over $6 billion, whereas portfolio one is worth just uh, under $3.4 billion. And so what we see is that the, the, the strong performers in your portfolio make up, you know, more than make up for those parts of your portfolio that are underperforming. And so it's really important uh, to us to make sure that we not only find those investments that perform very well, but, but ride on that journey with them for a long time. So if I look at our portfolio today, um, there's nearly half of our portfolio is in what we call the strategic portfolio. And uh, the biggest assets in that portfolio are TPG, New Hope and Brickworks. All of those assets have been inside our portfolio uh, for a number of decades. Uh, and certainly uh, TPG and New Hope have been those kinds of assets that have performed more than 20% uh, annualised returns. So that, that's where we've got a lot of our growth from. And then if I look at Brickworks and one of its uh, major assets is, is Souls, but also the, the, the second biggest asset it has is industrial property. And that's been an asset class that's returned over 20% for Brickworks for uh, you know, some 15, 16 years that they've, they've been in investing in industrial property. Um, looking down the list, there's $2.8 billion of our portfolio in large cap listed stocks. Now we've been selling uh, that portfolio down uh, this last four months primarily to fund some of the other activities that we've been doing in the portfolio. Uh, and so year to date, we've reduced that portfolio by $670 million. And this was one of the great benefits that we got from a, the merger with Milton a couple of years ago. Um, it, it, it not only increased our scale and the liquidity of our shares, but it gave us the liquidity that we need to invest in the, um, you know, the new opportunities that we're seeing and to further diversify our portfolio. Uh, so where have we been putting the money? Uh, our private equity portfolio as at 30 April was about $850 million. Uh, we've invested nearly $200 million in that portfolio year to date. And that's really been across all of our platform assets that we have in that portfolio. Um, our biggest asset is in agriculture and we're, we're focused on horticultural assets, you know, high quality uh, food that you're know, mostly for export. Um, and that, that's a very exciting opportunity for us. We did a thematic exercise where we looked at you know, what are the industries that are going to benefit over the long term in terms of food scarcity and, and Australia's um, uh, importance in, in, in terms of uh, being uh, you know, energy, uh, food security uh, and, and a supplier to the Asian region. But in addition to that, Australia's greatest competitive advantage is actually in agriculture. Uh, the other asset that we have is uh, Air Control, which we bought the other 50% of uh, about 12 months ago. Uh, that business is an electrical engineering business that we think will capitalise uh, on the energy transition that will take place over the next few decades and the renewal of the grid and all of those sorts of things. That's, that's a very exciting um, opportunity for us to grow that business, but also to bolt on other things that can benefit from that thematic. Um, we've also been investing in our swim schools. So we started with a, a, a Brisbane-based 
uh, swim school provider called Aquatic Achievers, and we've now been uh, both growing that business through uh, organic uh, and inorganic means, and we've just bought the New South Wales Carlisle Swim School business. Uh, so we're getting that business up to scale, and that's a very robust, resilient, and um, cash generative business. So we're very excited about that. And then the other um, the other theme that we're exploiting in our private equity business is uh, is wealth management, and we've got an investment in uh, in Ironbark. Uh, and again, we've been putting some more money to work in that. The other um, uh, the other portfolio that we've been putting quite a lot of money to work in is is what we're calling structured yield. And structured yield uh, is our name for what is effectively uh, credit to Australian corporates. Um, uh, that portfolio has grown significantly in the last 12 months. Uh, it's up to about $680 million now. We put $470 million into that portfolio year to date. There's another couple of hundred million dollars of undrawn commitments. So we're getting very close to the uh, billion dollar mark in terms of uh, that, that, the, the size of that portfolio. Um, the reason why we like that portfolio is the opportunity right now is fantastic. The, you know, we're getting really strong uh, interest rates. There's dislocation in the market in terms of companies' access to equity, but also access to debt. Uh, so that portfolio is, is, is returning uh, an average cash yield of nearly 13%. Uh, and the beauty of it from a, a risk return perspective and, and a, a capital protection perspective is obviously the downside protection that comes from investing in the credit part of the, um, uh, the capital stack as opposed to the equity. So, you know, we look at it and we're seeing better than equity-like returns, but obviously with that uh, additional uh, risk protection um, in a sense that equity has to be effectively wiped out before you see $1 of credit loss uh, in a debt position. Uh, and then there's been $250 million of additional cash put into the portfolio. Uh, and that's primarily uh, a defensive stance that we've taken. Um, you know, we're hoping that there will be a little bit more uh, volatility and an opportunity for us to take advantage of, of uh, new things that might come our way. So, you know, we think that the portfolio is really well positioned for the current market uh, and, and, and the conditions that we're seeing. Um, you know, I don't want to sound too pessimistic when I talk about recessions and things like that because, uh, you know, we, we don't know that that's come and if I look at the, the US, uh, I think the bond markets are pricing in about a 90% chance of a recession in the US, but in Australia it's only about 50% chance. Uh, and as I said, you know, our, our resource and, and strong banking market uh, will prove to be more resilient than, than some other markets in the world. But, but I guess, you know, the, the point that we're taking, the, the, the point that I'm making is that, um, you know, we're, we're kind of hopeful for the best but uh, prepared for the worst and, uh, and and our portfolio always does a lot better when when markets are more negative negative. and so if I look at the um, you know, how, how does our portfolio perform against other asset classes and and you know again I don't want to be pessimistic because you know I think if you take a long-term view it does pay to be taking risk and, and being invested uh, in equity markets over the long term so if I look at uh, Australian bonds, and if I'd invested $10,000 in Australian bonds 30 years ago, that would have grown to uh, just over $50,000 uh, for a 5.6% annualised return. If I'd invested $10,000 in, in the Australian REITs, uh, that would have grown to about $90,000 for a 7.5% annualised return. If I put it into international shares, now that's the entire global equities market ex-Australia, 
um, 10,000 will have uh, grown to 91,000. And the Australian market uh, is, a, is a very strong performing market. And over 30 years, it's 9.4% per annum total return. So $10,000, it's become just shy of 150,000. But you know, we're really pleased to say that if you put $10,000 into sole stocks 30 years ago, um, the total return would have given you about $416,000. So with that, I'll, um, I'll stop there and open it up to questions. But thank you very much for, uh, for listening.